This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Morning Bulletin here on the Blood Red channel as we bring you your must-know stories from this morning's reports. I'm Guy Clark and on Thursday the 13th of August, these are your top stories. Community Shield details released as the season's to start with no fans. Champions League reformation in the offing, but what impact will it have on Liverpool? It's all about the personal touch as more details of Jurgen Klopp's role in Kostas Simikas's move to Anfield emerge. Plus, there's news on Ismail Assar and could another Premier League club be looking to snap up Thiago Alcantara? Well, joining me to get stuck into all of those is our Blood Red writer, Matt Addison. Matt, another hot one last night. I uh, hope you managed to uh, get some sleep. It's proving difficult in my household. Yeah, it certainly is the second night in the row, really, where I uh, didn't really have a, a great night's sleep. So I'm a little bit tired this morning and we've got 40 later on as well. So might be a, a little bit tired by tomorrow. But uh, it's all worth it, of course, to discuss these transfer stories and, and what have you with yourself this morning. Yeah, nothing stops us. We keep going regardless. Well, first story for us to get our teeth into this morning then is confirmation that there won't be any fans at Wembley in just over two weeks for the Community Shield game with Arsenal. Not good news. No, not good news at all. Um, obviously, we know the the date has been in the diary for a little bit now. It's the obviously the 29th, the Saturday. Um, but yeah, no fans, of course, at Wembley Stadium. It had been earmarked, of course, as a, a test event, really, to sort of see if fans could get back at least a little bit, you know, even to have maybe 50% capacity or, or 30% or, or whatever it might have been. That was the kind of initial plan that had been penciled in. But yeah, that has now being confirmed not to be the case, unfortunately. So, yeah, who knows when the next test event could pe- potentially be penciled in because, you know, you'd have to then start looking at, at different Premier League games and things like that. There's not another really one-off fixture that, that sort of stands out at the start of the season. So it's going to be interesting to see sort of how those tests take place, that sort of thing. The idea with Wembley, I think, was that it's, you know, obviously in a, a little bit of of London where there is a little bit of space around it you can keep people away from each other to a certain extent I think certainly at some Premier League grounds it's a lot more difficult than it would be at Wembley so it was the ideal sort of scenario to to sort of test people getting in and out of the stadium that sort of thing but logistics of course is something that you know no one has ever had to think about before in terms of keeping people apart at football stadiums normally of course the absolute opposite so yeah, very unfortunate. There'll be no fans inside the stadium, um, which goes without saying, of course, that's a, a big disappointment. But yeah, the, the confirmation there is the 29th, which we knew, 4.30 kickoff. Um, obviously, Arsenal, the opponents. But unfortunately, yeah, there will be very, very few people inside Wembley. And I suppose it it almost begs the question of, of when fans will be back at all, because as I say, that would have been the ideal time to sort of start preparing for that. Yeah, it's a real kick in the teeth as well, it seems, because I don't know about you, but could get to grips with the end of last season, finishing obviously behind closed doors. But I think the enormity of the situation really hitting home with knowing that we're going to start a new season without any fans in the ground. It is sad, sad news. And that 
Community Shield game, of course, only two weeks away now on Saturday before, of course, the real stuff, the new season starts on the 12th of September. So a quick look in the calendar, you'll realise it's less than a month away now. Well, from the Community Shield to the Champions League next, and there was plenty of drama last night in Portugal with PSG scoring twice in the dying embers of their game to beat Atalanta and make it through to the semi-finals. They, of course, won that one 2-1. And Karl-Heinz Rummenigger, the top man at Bayern Munich, Matt, has been talking about changes we could see to the competition format from 2024, which could potentially threaten the possibility of nights like that one at Anfield last April against Barcelona from maybe ever happening again. Yeah, it's uh, some interesting comments really. We've seen over the last few months, there's been a few different suggestions from people in and around UEFA and, and sort of speculation as to what might happen. We do expect that there will be some changes in 2024. That's when they're sort of penciled in to come in. So yeah, it's sort of the suggestion really is that the Champions League needs to be more exciting. Uh, I'm not 100% sure why that is. Um, I think at the moment, as you say, not just that Barcelona game, but there's plenty of other games where we've seen lots and lots of excitement of late, particularly involving Liverpool, of course, but you know other teams as well. And, and PSG last night proved that. So yeah, the, the suggestion from Karl-Heinz Rummenigge is that the UEFA and, and the teams suggest that they would like more excitement. Presumably that will mean that they can charge more money and make more money from it. Um, but yeah, he suggests that this sort of mini tournament that we're seeing at the moment could be something that we see again in the future because obviously it's something that's been discussed in the past. Um, now, of course, enforced because of coronavirus. Potentially, it could be something that the teams decide, actually, we quite like this. You know, it, it's more exciting if there's a one-off game. Um, he makes a, a very good point that if it's over two legs, it gives the better team a better chance of getting through. You get more shocks. Atalanta very nearly pulled a shock off last night. Obviously, it didn't quite happen, but, you know, over two legs, you'd imagine as much as, you know, PSG haven't necessarily had the best Champions League record over the last few years in the, the latter stages. You know, over two legs, they would have had even more chance of, of going through. So I suppose it, it makes sense in as much as, you know, you, you do want the excitement to be as much as possible. But to be honest, I'm not convinced that, you know, that's necessarily the right way of going about it. So that is one potential change. I think obviously after the end of this season, we will look back and, and assess things like viewing figures things like you know how sort of exciting these games have proven to be. I'm sure UEFA will ask the teams who are involved in this mini-tournament in Portugal what they think of it. It's certainly something that will be on the table, I think, in, in 2024. But you know, there's plenty of other options as well. I mean, the suggestion is that UEFA and the, the Champions League clubs would like matches to move from midweek to the weekend so that, again, you can increase TV audiences, potentially going down a, a sort of Super League type um, route potentially uh, not quite 100% down the Super League route I don't think I don't think that will ever happen I certainly hope it won't happen but potentially protecting the teams that are in it so if you finish you know in, in the final sort of maybe if you get to the quarterfinals or, or something like that you might be guaranteed a, a place the following season things like that so it becomes a, a sort of a more closed shop for those better teams certainly Juventus are, are one of those teams who have pushed for something like that to take place. But yeah, I suppose changes are on the way. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, they're sort of outlining one of those possible changes. But 
I think there are plenty of things on the table. Um, I suppose that the only thing that would point more towards this particular one taking place is, of course, that we've had a sort of trial run of it this season or, or will have done by the end of, of the Champions League. So, yeah, certainly plenty of, of things to look out for. But, you know, me personally, I'm I'm quite happy with, with the sort of format and the qualification and that sort of thing as it is now. But, yeah, it seems that changes are imminent and, and will be on their way. Yeah, I'm completely with you as well. But I do feel this tournament that's happening in Portugal probably will be a, a precursor to something that, that does follow. And if it is maybe semi-finals and finals being played over the course of a week on neutral venues, then so be it. But of course, we do have the expanded FIFA Club World Cup that's on the horizon as well. So there'll be shakeups with club football, but we'll just have to wait and see how they do, of course, play out. I remember growing up, actually, that there used to be two group stages. I think it was until 2003 in the Champions League, and that was before even getting to the quarterfinals. So where we now have that break in sort of December and January, it used to be all the way through. I'm surprised that UEFA don't want that kind of thing to return. But anyway, as I say, we will keep a close eye on that one. Coming up next, though, of course, we'll talk Tiago, we'll talk Shimikas and also Ishmael Asar as we get into the morning's transfer tales. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, let's begin with one then, Matt, that's really grown legs of its own yesterday and it's uh, after a couple of weeks of bubbling under our own man Paul Gorst has been keeping right on top of this one the whole way it's Liverpool's interest in Watford winger Ishmael Assar and the evening standard saying that the Hornets now have set their price yeah obviously we we know that Ishmael Assar was one that was on Liverpool's shortlist and yeah the suggestion is that Liverpool would have to pay at least 40 million pounds for, for his services so that would be the same figure, I think, that Everton paid for Richarlison. I think there was a couple of add-ons, I'm not 100% sure on that, but potentially you know, 40, potentially rising to, to 50 with Richarlison. So you'd be looking at, at something similar, I think, for, for Ismail Assar. And, and probably rightly so, given you know the, the sort of season that he had, the age that he is, the sort of profile that he is you know, in the modern game take COVID-19 out of it that's probably a fair enough price tag and it's the sort of suggestion really is that the Crystal Palace Wolves plenty of other clubs will be interested but you know you you wonder how many of those clubs would be prepared to pay that price tag I'm not too sure I think Crystal Palace potentially if Wilfred Zaha and to be fair I said this a couple of weeks ago if Zaha does leave you'd imagine Ismail Assar could potentially go to, to Palace to replace him Wolves I suppose um, you know even I suppose even for them, that that would be a significant amount of money to invest on one player. And even, you know, clubs in Germany, I'm not too sure exactly who they are. But again, you'd imagine that 40 million would be a pretty steep price tag to pay. So I think if if Liverpool do want the player, um, they have an advantage in that regard. They potentially might be able to pay a little bit more, certainly in a normal summer than some of the other clubs who are interested. But you know, we, we know that Ismail Assar signed for Watford only last summer um, from Rennes, I think, in, in France. And, and he signed for £30 million. So they were never going to accept a loss, obviously. Since then, his value has only increased. He's now got Premier League experience. I think he scored six times. He's impressed pretty much every time I've seen him play, certainly in both games against Liverpool. He was lively. And yeah, it's a, it's a transfer rumour. I suppose it's more than a rumour now. Um that certainly makes sense. Obviously, his age, he's only 22. He loves Sadio Mane. They have a, a good relationship. And we saw when uh, Watford came to Anfield in 
whenever it was, November or December or whatever, he sort of had that conversation with Troy Deeney and Sadio Mane. And I'm sure people, you know, will remember that without me having to, to go into the details of it. But, you know, it, there's, there's clearly a friendship there. I think Sars sort of idol is, is Sadio Mane. And I'm sure he would jump at the chance. In fact, he, he said as much himself yesterday, I think, in, in some quotes that emerged as well, that you know he'd very much like to, to join Liverpool. So, yeah, I think if Liverpool have got the money this summer, this is one that certainly, you know, is, is one to watch out for. I think, you know, loads and loads of people would certainly imagine the, the sort of frontline uh, sort of backup player uh, certainly more in the mould of, of a Mane or a, or a Salah to be one of the, the most important areas to improve. I think Liverpool need a, a centre-back first and foremost, but then you know ideally someone like Ismail Assar as well. So it'll be interesting to, to see what happens. I suppose if someone like Harry Wilson or, or Divock Origi or Shakiri was to leave, that may well sort of free up a little bit more money to go and, and be spent on on one of those forward players. So yeah, it's uh, certainly not a guarantee to take place this summer, but it does certainly make sense. The only reservation that I would have is, of course, that uh, Ismail Assar plays for Senegal with Sadio Mane. So in terms of AFCON and things like that, it wouldn't necessarily help Liverpool. But you know, that's only a very short proportion of, of each season. Or one every two seasons, I think, isn't it, AFCON? So, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly not something that I would put down as a, as a deal breaker anyway. So yeah, certainly something to, to watch out for, I think over the next few weeks. And, you know, the one thing we know for certain is that if Liverpool have got the money, they are certainly interested. Yeah, well, you get the feeling that one isn't going anywhere in a hurry. Well, from that one then, that may well be in the pipeline to Liverpool's done deal of the, the summer so far. I'm not sure how many more angles we'll hear about the Costa Shimikas deal, Matt, but maybe the Mirror have the final one. And if all these reports about Jurgen Klopp's phone calls are true, his phone bill must be absolutely sky high. Yeah, all of the uh, the sort of trips to Blackpool and phone calls and all sorts of things. I'm sure he uh, puts it through his expenses. But yeah, it's uh, yeah an interesting one again. Jurgen Klopp call seals the transfer for, for Costa Shimikas. So he apparently told uh, the Greek player, the decision is yours. You know, we think you, you fit really well into the project. You're the perfect player for us. But... You know, it's up to you kind of thing whether you want to come here or not. And I guess, you know, this is pretty normal. I think Jurgen Klopp will probably do this for, for every single transfer. And I suppose it sort of makes sense, really, from Liverpool's perspective to use the allure and, and the pull that Klopp has to get those deals over the line. If, you know, there's one or two other clubs in the pipeline, you know, potentially someone like Leicester, Chelsea, Napoli, all of those clubs have been mentioned, Everton even as well, um, you know, as being potentially interested in Shimakas this summer. So, look, if you can use a phone call from Jurgen Klopp to get that over the line, which I'm pretty sure most players in the world, if, if Jurgen Klopp's ringing up and saying, we'd quite like you to come to Liverpool, not too many of those are going to turn that down. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it, it's something that Liverpool use fairly frequently when their, their transfers take place. So, I suppose the, the slight worry going forward is what, what will happen when Jurgen Klopp leaves? Will Liverpool get a manager who's got that same charisma and the same pull? But well, that's a, a question for another day, certainly um, not until until at least 2024 uh, will Liverpool have to worry about that. And between now and then, I'm sure they will pick up plenty more bargain signings like this one because you know certainly from what we've seen and, and read and heard, seems like the perfect fit for Liverpool. It was a position that really needed strengthening. I think they've got themselves 
the right player, um, certainly at the right time, and, and have spent a similar amount today on Lovren. So, yeah, given Michael Edwards's record in the transfer market of late, I think we have to, to trust that this one is correct. And, and Jurgen Klopp as well, obviously, very, very happy to get the deal over the line. All of the quotes that have come out from the player, from the club, from Jurgen Klopp, from various people and, and journalists uh, over in Greece, it seems like this one could be a really, really exciting one for, for next season and beyond, of course, as well. Yeah, it must be a, a really hard sell for Jurgen Klopp. Come on, come and join the yeah, the Premier League champions, the world champions, and at, at the time of recording today, still the European champions, of course. Well, he's phoned Shibikas in Greece, Sir Alex Ferguson, of course, at 3am. He had Timo Werner on speed dial, if you believe everything that you read. And he also seems to be ringing back to Germany to check in with Thiago Alcantara regularly as well again reports on that one and Thiago is our final story of the day Matt Liverpool's stance as the echo have reported throughout is that the Reds don't appear to hold any active interest in the player while these transfer links won't go away yet now Manchester City not United as they previously have been have been linked with swooping in and maybe reuniting Pep with his former talent this one's from the Daily Star yeah sport building in Germany reporting that the City will offer more money which I don't know. It strikes me as a, a fairly easy line that Manchester City would be easy to able to offer more money, whether that's in a transfer fee or, or wages. I'm not too sure. It doesn't really specify. But yeah, the, the sort of reports in uh, the last couple of days have sort of suggested that Manchester City could join the race for him. A potential David Silva replacement is the, the sort of line. But I mean, the last couple of years, City have been briefing that Phil Foden was going to be that. He was the next big thing when David Silva moved on. They weren't going to buy anyone. It was going to be his chance. And he stuck around with exactly that in mind. So I'm not sure it would be the best look for them to go back on that and and sort of sign someone in replace of of David Silva. They're not quite the same player either. I think it's important to point that out, that Thiago is more of a, a number six, someone like that. He's not going to be... Um, you know, very far forward as David Silva could be. As much as the sort of technical side of their game is is very similar, they're not really um, similar sorts of midfielders. So, yeah, again, maybe that's just a, an easy line. You know, one Spanish midfielder is is moving out, maybe another one coming in kind of makes sense and, and you put two and two together. But I suppose the, the main surprise for me with this line is that it hasn't come before because we know that Pep Guardiola was... A huge fan of Thiago when he moved from Barcelona to Bayern Munich. He was the one who's, you know, he said, we won't come back for, for any Barcelona players. Now I'm the Bayern boss. But the, the one exception to that is Thiago Alcantara because, you know, he is an exceptional player. And yeah, for, for Liverpool, you know, as we keep saying, he's not an active target at this moment in time. As I said before, Liverpool have got bigger priorities. I think they need to sign a centre-back. Probably the priority after that would be um, Ismail Assar or, or somebody else in, in that sort of mould. So, yeah. Will it be one that happens this summer? As far as, as we're aware, no, it won't. But the links won't go away. And, you know, it, it's understandable. It's understandable that fans are excited about him. Um, he's a player that I absolutely love to watch. He's, he's one of those players that really gets you excited. And, you know, I, I only saw the highlights from uh, Bayern Munich's game against Chelsea the other night. But, you know, pretty much... at least of the highlights involved him in some way or another. Um, He is that sort of level of player. I think he's a world-class midfielder. The the more sort of um, speculation and and that sort of thing that's going on around Genie Wijnaldum, the more you think maybe it could happen. But 
look, it, it's one of those we just have to, to wait and see. Certainly, at the moment, Liverpool's stance is that it won't happen. Um, but whether that changes in the future, who knows? Yeah, it's one that seemingly isn't really quite Liverpool's way of doing business as well, with it appearing day after day and carrying on for, for weeks and weeks now. But there will, of course, be more twists and turns along the way. And remember to keep your eyes fixed across what's going on over on the Liverpool Echo website, including the Daily Transfer blog, which will round up all the big Liverpool transfer news for you in one place. If you prefer, you can also sign up for the Twice Daily newsletter, a collection of the top stories sent directly to you via email. All you need to do is register through the link in the description of the podcast also stay tuned to blood red wherever it is you get your audio on demand as well as our youtube channel thanks for joining matt addison and myself guy clark here on the morning bulletin that's all for now we'll catch you later you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo